Hello, and welcome to this Bornbrook Poetry Roundtable. My name is Esty Wicketts, uh, co-founder of the Bornbrook Press and Bornbrook's Hell of Podcasting. I am joined today by three of the writers for our first in-house book, Sunken Island, an anthology of British poetry. Firstly, we have Mr. Adams. He is also a co-founder of the Bornbrook Press. As well, he is an accomplished artist and has published a plethora of books, including Culture Wars, Iconoclasm and Artivism, as well as several collections of verse and books of art. Mr. Adams, welcome. Thank you very much, Sam. Uh, glad to be with you. Likewise, likewise. Uh, we're also joined by uh, Panama Hat. Uh, Hat is the author of Winter Songs, a collection of seasonal verse. He's also written uh, fiction, non-fiction and more. You may know him from several YouTube streams, including those with Adams and Ferro. Um, Hat, welcome. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's it's uh, fantastic to be here as always. Hmm. You're very welcome. And um, lastly, we have uh, Clumber, a uh, Scottish poet and pundit who publishes the Substack series Pictish Poetry. You can also find Columba on several streams as well, including many with AA, uh, the other one. Um, and uh, so, yeah, Columba, well, welcome. Welcome. I mean, it's it's AM, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, although he just gets called the, the pasta liquor by AA. So, yeah, I know it's good to sure. <laughs> And um, And uh, finally, to conclude with, with myself and my credentials as to why I'm here, um, <clears throat> I'm also a poet, novelist, critic and podcaster. I publish poetry on Substack under Songs of a Fogged Mind. Um, but without further ado, we will move along into the discussion and we will start with the state of modern poetry. Um, going forward, this will be an open discussion with everyone free to pitch in, but I will start with Columba. Um, what exactly is it you think that we are pushing back against with the works in this collection? Um, in short, what is our negative vision of poetry? Well, I mean, I should preface this by saying that... Um... I'm I, I'm relatively quite a newbie to um to poetry. I would say I only seriously got into poetry over the past um couple of years. Um, probably the lockdowns helped, and mm. I haven't made as thorough a survey of very modern poetry, say the past 10, 20 years, than I would like. But I mean, um, the, the main problems that I see are I suppose it's twofold. Firstly, it's um, extremely political and didactic, often, which um I mean it can be done well, but it's very rare that you get a very good didactic poem um, or a political poem um, an explicit political poem and then I think the other main problem is you know it, it, it's a classic problem with a lot of modern art so much so that it's almost you know it's a cliche and it's this idea of um um you know early modernists no matter their their medium um they were extremely well versed in um traditional forms and traditional techniques and it was only then once they had made that survey that they thought it right to experiment in the ways that they did. And I think now you have experiment um, totally unmoored from any of that firm understanding. And I think that's why um, you just have so much sort of sloppy poetry that um, doesn't really make that same impact. The, there's a very strange thing going on where the in vogue thing in, in the art seems to be rebelling against um, norms that have already been abolished like decades ago. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, that's a major problem, right? I mean, there's sort of the, uh, I mean, you see that in in all manner of things in sort of political activism. There's sort of, um, I think people are still LARPing like they're, you know, 60s on the, uh, you know, one of those buses going through Mississippi or something, right? Um, you know, th they're in that sort of um, romantic world still. Um, yeah, and I think you see that in poetry very much. So, I mean, the kind of people who are celebrated. I mean, we all know Miss Gorman 
<laughs> you know, um, boils all of our blood. Um, and that's just a sort of typical example of, uh, you know, what you get today and how lauded um, a lot of this stuff is. For... Mm -hmm. um, what about um, Adams and Hat then, sort of, who are possibly slightly more experienced with on this than, than Columba and myself? Um, what do you make of the, the, the opening comments, the, the, the um, sort, of the, sort of empty nature of, of, of modern poetry? Um, all right, <laughs> I'll go first. But uh, I, well, I, I think there's there's a whole kind of list of of reasons as to as to why we are where we are with with modern verse. Um, you know, I could I could I could pick, pick any of them. I I think that certainly a big part of it has to do with how um, poetry has become the preserve of uh, university academic types. Um, I think, and not only uh, are they sort of sort of university academics and hence they're kind of cloistered in but the trouble is that they're actually extremely um they're they're, they're remarkably unbrilliant um and kind of remarkably uh, i know that in these circles the term uh, the term midwit is is popular i think oh, that would be an excellent term to describe them they're 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 educated beyond their real ability um and they've kind of made uh they've made the the bulk of modern modern verse a kind of uh, self-reflective um, almost sort of masturbatory kind of exercise uh, where, you know, they're basically writing poetry for themselves. Um, it, it's ironic because despite, you know, by virtue of them being in universities, they are familiar with, you know, Chaucer and, and, and on, onwards. They're familiar with the whole canon and a lot of them have spent their careers, you know, studying these authors in depth. And yet they are completely unable to master any kind of form or any kind of poeticality. I think um, the, the the thing is, of course, that if, if you're a good enough poet, then you can take the liberty of uh, uh, abandoning or distancing yourself somewhat from traditional form, um, uh, as as some of the early modernists uh, showed. I think, but the, but the trouble is that, of course, you know the types of poetry being written, the poetry being written now, it, it doesn't have anything. You know, it doesn't have form or any real any real kind of meat to it, if if you want to call it that way. No, call it that. You know, no, I totally agree. And I, I, I think um, this problem seems to be quite old because, I mean, one thing that I do love doing and that I've been going through is reading, um, um, you know, sort of famous authors' correspondence and things like this. Mm. And one thing that you get coming across in a lot of um, Pound's early letters and uh, Ezra Pound's early letters and also in his um, A Few Don'ts, which was a sort of, um, um, you know, a sort of guide, I suppose, that was published yes. is, um, you know, he talks about this exact idea that, um, um, you know, um, great poets are usually very separate from the kind of people who study poetry. Yes. Um, and the example he gives is, you know, um, um, you know, someone like Virgil or Catullus. Um, I actually thought, I actually think he thought Virgil was a tad second rate, but especially, um, <laughs> I know, um, Catullus and Sappho. Um, and then he compares them to sort of, you know, the, the Latin and Byzantine um, grammarians who sort of, you know, picked apart all their meters and their work. And yeah, of course, the, these these um, these poets who are actually doing it are just yeah separate. And you, you, you know, once mm. you have um, the people who are studying poetry in this way, who are usually that sort of quite Clarkish personality. Yeah, um, yeah. Once I, they try to write it, it's it, it, they just don't have the same fire. I think there 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 is a phenomenon within the arts in general where those that study it in a kind of truly academic sense often are not particularly good at it themselves. But I, I don't think that's especially a, a a bad thing. It's just kind of it's kind of how it is, I think. Um, you know, you, you get people whose 
who are great kind of uh, academics of of literature, but but they won't put out a novel. Or if they did, then it you know it, it won't reach the heights of the of the of the authors that they that they mm. look at. I don't think. Yeah, I, I would also say someone like uh, you think about art history and Giorgio Vasari is mm. one of the great art historians when he was alive in sort of fifteen sixty. He knew more about the history of art and he knew more about art sort of techniques and so forth than anyone else alive but he mm. he himself was a mediocre painter but he was a great historian i i would say that yeah i, th I think that um poetry at the moment is uh, severely limited by i think the fact that what hat said about um the poets often being um uh you know sort of a part of english literature departments part of creative writing departments and they've led very I'm sorry, but with quite sheltered existences, they haven't had to make their living from writing often, or if they have, they haven't done it for many years. And so they're doing these sort of like changing positions between different um, universities and so forth. And they're, and they're, and it's all subsidized publishing. So the whole point about them publishing is they're publishing with their own university presses. So they're not actually having to sell anything. It's all being subsidized. It's all being sort of, you know, like, oh, we're, we're publishing you once every three years. And we're sort of rotating between the chairs of different, different sort of creative departments and so forth. And, and so these people have been relatively sheltered. They don't have a market. They don't have an incentive to reach out their own. And also they're writing for a very, very limited audience. I mean, poetry itself, unfortunately has quite a limited audience. Academic poetry has almost no audience. I mean, virtually none at all. I mean, they're selling copies to other university libraries, but they're not selling it to the public. And they're not, and then I don't think they're even reading each other's books. Mm -hmm. There is, there is cross promotion though. And it, 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 in a way it kind of highlights the importance for people like us of of the Bourne Book Press and of Imperium and you know the, the various different outlets that, that we've sort of built for ourselves because when it is in the university apparatus it, it almost operates on the friend enemy distinction where you know just by being outside of that mold we would probably not even get a look in um there's what's very common in universities is, is sort of almost like idea laundering where um peer-reviewed papers are peer-reviewed by the sort of the, the friends of, of of the writer, you know, and uh, it, it's it's approved um, politically. But, but I want to sort of backtrack a bit back to back to, to to poetry and sort of what I see as being almost anti-poetry, where you know there is ov obviously there is space to play around with the rules. You know, you don't need to write you know line rhyme line rhyme new line rhyme. You know, like it doesn't need to be that sort of um, blocked out. But there is a difference between playing around with the rules and still acknowledging that there are rules and they do still serve a legitimate purpose than just completely disregarding them, as we see in poetry that has no meter, no rhyme, no form. And um, I also just no, want I... to uh, address um, Hat's initial um, um, sort of complaint about the state of modern poetry. I just want to, I want to ask you, Hat, how, how much of that do you think comes down to the critics? Um, who you know are sort of have, have drunk the Kool Aid on on anti poetry and any poetry that does stick to traditional form will be almost like laughed out of the room almost. I I think that the so there's there's a twofold issue. So one is that yes, um, you have this kind of uh, phalanx of basically uneducated uh, kind of sort of slavish types who 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 will enforce this this. This state of things as it is, you know, you know. Uh, I think there's that line that uh, 
I can't remember who originated it, but this this whole idea that intellectuals are the biggest defenders of any sort of regime, whether you know in in any sense, you know, and the the the, the one we're living in now certainly has that cadre of basically uh, kind of it, sort of midwits uh, in sort critics and, and academics and this kind of thing who 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 will who will enforce the the the, the law of the day if you want um i think there's also a general problem with um with education and kind of poeticness in that nobody is taught uh poetry uh or any of the arts really as they would have been um for throughout a large chunk of of, of western history where um you would have had a completely different experience uh, of, of of poetry if you were a you know even a kind of sort of an average schoolboy in i don't know sort of 1881 for example you know you your your engagement with literature and with poetry would have been to a point where you know you had probably a better appreciation than most so-called poets did now i mean you would have you would have been made to learn uh, uh poems off by heart you would have you would have known sort of famous books about poetry you would have you would have been taught kind of uh the sort of johnsonian if you want uh, a view of of poets and their kind of interesting lives and and what there's there's a line in um you know the the, the alan bennett played the, the the history boys um where the teacher says to them that one 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 of the boys says why are you making us learn all this all this poetry none of the stuff in these poems have happened to us yet and he says yes but they will and when they do, you'll have you'll have the antidote ready. You know, you'll have the words there. And I think that that part of the reason, as, as has been hinted at so far, that, that that the public at large doesn't really care about poetry anymore, is that it doesn't have anything to say to them. It doesn't give them anything sustaining. If you know, any anybody, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you know, at, at any any rank or level or ability of anything, there are certain poems that have been written in English that will give you something that will that will provide you a kind of a kind of immaterial nourishment and i think that is that is partly the partly the job of a poet is to provide the society around him um with some with something like that some something that something that can can be used to to draw upon or, to, or some, something constructive something that builds or or reflects something you know with 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 us with a sense of place and a sense of time the the kind of formless university poetry that only appeals to a sort of very small sort of slightly neurotic type it doesn't it nobody can draw from that partly because it's not it's not trying to be constructive all, all, all it wants to do is sort of whine and moan or tear something down you know this is racist that's racist everything's so hard you know i'm so afflicted you know i i i i me 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 you know it it's 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 as you say it's, it's an anti-poetry yeah i mean i would i would agree there is this very sort of um petulant um, mood that, that persists and I do think I mean you know we're we're criticizing the critics here um, and I think that's not so much um, uh, on our end that's not so much because we hate the idea of critics it's because um, you know the the people who sort of form the opinions about poetry these days in academic circles they have very um, um, you know dangerous and I would say ill-advised opinions about what poetry is but I mean mm -hmm. you know critics themselves um, you know Great, great poets have always always acknowledged, or a lot of um, great poets have acknowledged the usefulness of critics, not only um, in sort of informing their work and sort of um, perhaps making vital changes or recommendations, but also in terms of um, you know another important um, role of the critic, which isn't really um, considered enough today, is um, the critic. Um, if if a, a reader 
um, reads a critic. And occasionally, I mean, again, Pound speaks about this in his retrospective. He says, you know, a good critic can wake uh, a sort of sleeping reader out of his stupor. You know, he can make the reader realize, oh, I missed that. I didn't see what the poet was doing there. Um, and I do think that, you know, part of that um, general hostility to critics that we see today, um, ironically, sometimes from people who, in essence, are critics, comes from that sort of um, that petulant attitude and that a desire to be this sort of this sort of rebel that we've that we've seen. Um, yeah, and I think it's a, a very unhealthy sort of anti-poetry, as Panama Hat says. And, you know, if you go back, um, you know, to, as it says, um, you know, how people were educated in the past. The sort of level of knowledge of yeah uh, you know your average teenage boy who went to a good school in say you know the early 1900s or the 1800s i mean he would know the difference between you know um qualitative and quantitative meters he would know the difference between how you know english and italian poetry is read compared to classical poetry whether it's you know stressed or on the length of the syllables you'll know you know his iambic pentameters his you know dactylic hexameters he, he'll 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 know these things and he'll know how to read them but today i mean you know i wouldn't be surprised if you know there are many poets who couldn't tell you the first thing about these forms that you know to anyone to anyone aspiring to be a poet would be absolutely essential that you must at least know what these things are um, and it's insulting to think you can just ignore it all and sort of blaze this trail because you're, you're not, you're, you're really making a fool of yourself. You're not equipped to do what you're doing. Is that, is that on, not a fine line to walk there though, where, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned these sort of very technical terms. Uh, we're not there then at risk there of, you know, almost over uh, sort of, <laughs> almost like over intellectualizing it to the point where it, it becomes uh, sort of almost, almost like a mathematical equation rather than an expression of, of the senses. I would. I mean, uh, I think, sorry, I, sorry no, I, I mean, I think you can say that, but I would also say that, you know, many of the greatest poets who we all read, I mean, to my knowledge, they were all familiar with these things yeah. and they were told yeah, yeah. in school, right? So it might seem sort of stale to people today. And I know it's been very difficult for me because, you know, I mean, I didn't go to a particularly good school and, you know, I can tell you, we did not get taught these things. Um, and so it's, you know, it's been sort of um, learning these things for myself and it is, it is fiendishly difficult. I'm learning all of these subtleties, but I think um, um, the impact that it has on your work and your ability to criticize your own work, I mean, it gives you the sort of the vocabulary and the, and the toolkit to be able to take apart your work because, I mean, you know, someone with some poetic talent, they will be able to um, you know, write something maybe passable, you know, um, um, but they're doing all of this sort of subconsciously with what they've picked up from poetry they've read or, you know, their own particular quirks. But I think to have that sort of formal um, knowledge of these things, it's like, it's like a, you know, if you give a man an axe and he's quite handy, he might be able to build, you know, a decent shed somewhere, but I would much rather he knew, um, um, you know, some and some engineering and some architectural knowledge so that the, the roof isn't going to cave in one day or there's going to be a leak. Um, so, yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, you mentioned, you know, that a, a, a good critic can kind of wake one up from, from a slumber. I mean, a, 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 a bad one can, you know, put you to sleep. Um, if you look at you know the way critics these days go out to bat for someone like Rupi Kaur, where you know that they, they praise her work as being you know um, uh, brave self-expression, which kind of feeds into the whole sort of um, masturbatory nature of modern poetry, where it's all about you know um, it's she's so brave, it's she's expressing herself, you know, it's, it's, rather than it being you know this is a good poem that makes you feel 
a sense of you know wonderment or escape or awe. Um, I I mean you you mentioned that there the the, the trouble with with the uh, the cower incident shall we call it? But the the thing is that what struck me about all those critics is that it was quite clear that most of them you 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 could tell in the way they were writing about her and and the things they were saying that deep down they knew it was it was awful they they knew they were saying ridiculous things about 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 somebody that that didn't deserve that kind of praise but they were doing it because they were scared they were doing it because they 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 were scared of what would happen to them if they dared to say actually this is rubbish and the the trouble with that is of course that the whole point of a critic the, the, the entire the entire kind of idea around being one and the whole reason you become one surely is because you're saying I have a particular uh, sense a particular kind of um, way of of uh, of being able to judge this particular art yeah like a good and, ear or a good uh, yes eye. exactly and it's so I'm worth listening to on this you can trust me and all that told me was I can trust none of these people because because when push came to shove and they 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 all they all praised something which you could tell they knew didn't deserve it you know, it, it's there's no point in being a critic if if you can be if you can be sort of pushed into saying something you don't feel is true. You know, never never ever commit to paper some something that you don't ultimately have a have, have a stake in and some some sort of um, some sort of you know sort of heartfelt uh, understanding of or belief in. I think. Yeah. No, I I I, um, I think I actually know Rupi Kaur because she's one of the ones who sort of you know a lot of the university girls will have their little sort of you know their aesthetic plaque it's basically the sort of the upper middle class version of like the the live laugh love yes <laughs> it is sign, it's, it's, it's 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 a sign that you that you're part, part of the club and i i some somebody i it, it may have actually been a, a screenshot i saw from a, a 4chan thread where someone said that this book has been memed into success and it's like yes the book, like it, it literally it's it's you know sort of middle class uh, uh, mostly women who really should know better, you know, buying buying the Rupee Cow book. Probably not even not even reading it, but just because it it it, it looks good, you know, they, they 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 can say that they have it and, and pretend that. Also, also I, I think a, a, a facet of it as well is that we've been starved, I think, of a genuine movement or moment in poetry, if you want, for so long now. You know, we we haven't had our our T. S. Eliot or our Ezra Pound. Or our, or our sort of, you know, Blake or our Coleridge or a Byron or anybody. We we haven't had, you know, this century's, you know, real, real sort of movement yet. Hope, hopefully it will be us. But yeah, I was about to say, we, um, we haven't got to Byron or, or Houseman I, or Keith. We have Hat, Columba, Adams and Wicket. Yes, but I, I think there has been a kind of starvation that people have got, have got onto them where they, they kind of want... They want to be a part of that when it happens, and I think that phenomena like her and the, there's another one who's sort of coming up called uh, Ocean Wong, who who writes some of the most sort of vulgar, uh, tripey poems. I wouldn't call them poems, tripey strings of words I've ever read. But um, but again, it's the kind of I think people want to feel like they're a part of something important in literature or big. You know, this is you know we're 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 with the next big poet, but of course it's all false because they're. They're, they're, they're so desperate that they're eating dirt when they think they're eating, you know, a feast. Yeah, I mean, I think I think part of that tragedy, I mean, one thing that you really see with a lot of modern poets, whether it's this Wong or whether it's this car, is there's this um, sort of 
and it runs through a lot of um, the sort of talk around poetry, at least on the sort of university campuses among the students I know, is there's this sort of um, a Asian craze, I guess you could call it that. You know, I mean, it's all about this sort of post-colonial literature. I mean, poetry just, this seems to be the sort of main poetry that is tossed around university campuses today. And, you know, they have it to appear socially conscious, right? It's your, um, it's, you know, the po it's the literature equivalent of your, your Black Lives Matter sort of Instagram um, mm. profile. And, and you see it linked with sort of, um, you know, some of them will try and sort of shore this sort of neo-Orientalism up with um, maybe they'll have some Rumi or they'll have a copy of the Arabian Nights, which of course they haven't read. You know, I mean, you can tell because the book is just brand new on the shelf. It's pristine. Yeah. Um, mm. But yes, there is this whole sort of um, Orientalist sort of post-colonial um, trend, which just seems to swamp um, a lot of poetry today and in America I think you have sort of similar things but it's more about say you know the African-American experience or mm -hmm. you know whatever mm. which which just feels like feels like a, like a almost, it's almost like the, the poetic version of like shock humor where you know it, it, it's just it's just um it's almost just needlessly uh aggressive and and just just sort of illustrate the point on on anti-poetry essentially being akin to a slightly vapid Instagram post. Um, I've got here a poem by Rupi Kaur, and I, uh, and before we move on to the next section, I, I will read it out, which is, it, it, it goes, I was trying to make him the one, and it took me three years to realize love doesn't work like that, which, nothing. Now, here's the thing, That's of course. That's it. No, but hang on, because here's the thing. When, when, when someone like us reads it, it sounds as ridiculous as it is. But you can actually go on the internet. You can you can listen to recordings of her doing it. And she well, the thing is, no, because she she I think somewhere along the line has realised that what she's written isn't really a poem. So she reads it like this to try and make it sound deep. Whoa. Love Whoa. doesn't work that way. You know, mm. she, like, it's, and it's 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 fraud. It's fraud. That's what it is. Honestly, yeah. we we, we should we should consider this a brand of fraud. And occasionally, occasionally you'll get a slight smirk. I believe they call it duper's delight when you're when you're lying and you know you are, and you you, sort of, you you must get off on it. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of that as well. I mean, at some level, they must know. I mean, I think another problem that I would identify, um, and I'm not sure how you guys all feel about this, but I mean, I think it's a problem in all of the arts. I've been talking with um, one of my friends um, um, who online he goes by a Carl Boom respector, and he's a huge fan of classical uh, yes. music. And what he says all the time, he constantly harps on, is there should be no women in orchestras because <laughs> they're they're not built for it. And I do think that there is um, a, you know, a massive glut of this um sappy, awful poetry that you see today is written by women, and it's often very young women as well. You know, they're sort of university students, and it's just yeah, it's like something out of a teenage girl's diary. And now, it's just I, it's yeah. it, 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 it's it's women and it's and it's effeminate men. I, yes, I do but, want to touch just briefly because this is important on the on, on the critical issue here because of course I think the thing is that you can go back to any age of history young sappy women have always been writing bad poems and 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 making sort of bad pieces of art I think but what we have now is of course we have a critical landscape that exalts them and, exactly. and treat, exactly. treats Rupi Cow like 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 the best thing since Rudyard Kipling you know it's 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 I, I think that you know it's one thing to have people writing bad poetry, which has always been a thing. And it's another thing to have it be, as I said, raised up, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Yes, and and um, on that we will move along to the to the next topic. Um, we, we so yeah, we'll move along to uh, dissident approaches uh, to towards the arts, and for this it makes the most sense to begin with Adams, as um, you have written on the notion of a uh, quote base Barbican or um, a reactionary uh, a Stedford, and um, uh, so. You, you envisioned almost like a like a reactionary arts center um so what does the road between where we are now and where we wish to be look like well i would say we have to write obviously i think every poet and every artist they make for themselves first and foremost they are the first audience and they are the most important audience but obviously we have to reach out we have to sort of um connect with each other but obviously we're writing not we're not primarily writing about anything political um we're writing about sort of eternal subjects you know um so there's no there's no reason there's no barrier for it to not um strike a chord within the average the average reader the educated reader even the educated reader who happens to be politically um negative towards us and that was one of the reasons why i included um people's or people of different slightly different uh political outlooks or polit- or at least political sympathies in the in the anthology um sunken island available now from Vaughanbrook press um so that that was that was why i i had such a range um and i think yeah it's it's important that we need to set up the sort of dissident economy but we need also to be able to cross over into the mainstream so the idea about um bookshops the the few the few um mainstream bookshops or even specialist bookshops that carry new poetry um we can we can reach out to them we can also sell to each other we can sell to outsiders um we can um we do we do need to make um significant steps towards um gaining income from outside of our own sphere um because i know that um i, I was listening to scrump and evelyn's stream and i know that um and, and scrump said you know like this sort of 20 percent of the people were really keen on poetry when we were talking about our panel at the event recently uh and the other 80 percent were just sort of there are sort of sympathetic and sort of slightly interested mm. but not particularly engaged and not necessarily going to be by buy any poetry at they're all they're almost there in principle yeah yeah um so i think that we uh we it, the problem is scaling up poetry to a level where it's not necessarily it's not going to pay anyone's living i i don't i'm i mean it could it could it could happen uh and that would be wonderful but um i think the first stage is just to get it so we're getting books published there and they're becoming economically viable they're becoming they're covering their own costs i think that's the first stage then later on we talk about perhaps doing performances festivals readings book signings and so forth either individually or as part of a wider arts uh, arts event I, I completely agree with what with everything that was that was said there. Um, I, I would say on the question of money, um, I think nobody gets into poetry to get rich. Um, something I was told at a young age is that uh, be a poet by all means, but be prepared to die broke, <laughs> basically. Um, and I, I think that's the, the thing is that, you know, when you become a poet, when you become an artist of any kind, you have to devote yourself entirely to the art. And it doesn't matter what happens, you know, 
it doesn't matter whether you, you whether you're going to live a, a poor life or you're not going to have things that you may may have otherwise wanted or be able to have got if you'd chosen a more financially uh, sort of you know um, a, a sort of uh, we might call it a more sort of bourgeois uh, style of living if you want or a career path uh, but the, the point is that you know it's about the art and what you can contribute to it not what the art you know gives to you um, and you know I, I think of the example of uh, Wyndham Lewis uh, the artist and, and, and writer who you know his, his entire life he, he could have he could have lived a very very rich life if, if he'd wanted to but he was for, for his, his entire adulthood from 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 sort of his 20s to death you know he was he was always dodging creditors he was always getting into scrapes but the point was that he never stopped painting and he never stopped writing you know he even went blind and, and there was no money to, to pay his electric bill you know that, that's something that'll resonate with people now i'm sure but uh he, he he would be there with two rulers stretched across a piece of paper under a board with elastic bands you know you know writing even while he was blind you know line line by torturous line you know to, to hold the hold the pen steady you know the, the point is that that you you never give up um on that and the the other thing of course is that yes i completely agree that you know we 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 should you know begin to form a movement of our own but i don't think we can just make it uh entirely a kind of dissident thing it, it needs it needs its own legs legs to stand on it needs it, it means simply i think those legs are talent you know that's that's where kind of you, you you write good poetry good novels you make good paintings you you produce good art that that, that can draw a crowd and can draw attention mm -hmm. and that's that's all we really need you know we, as, as, as Alexander Adams said, and, and I've told people as well, is that, you know, don't just build an audience in the dissident world. Um, build one outside in the normie world, in, the, in, in their world, if you want, because, because you're going to need that if it's going to survive. And if it's going to have, you know, um, if it's going to have a long life. It, it, needs, it needs something outside of us, basically. Which, which is what, why I, I touched upon, and uh, sorry, Clover, I'll, I'll bring you in in a, in a moment. Oh, but, okay. um, at my uh, speech at, at, at Domos, which was, you know, it's not about creating based art, but creating good art that isn't, you know, yes, left wing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think that's, um, I think that's something that's very important for people to grasp. And I mean, I was, um, I think Hat and I had this discussion. I remember talking to AA about it at the the first sort of um, Shieldings event, um, and there were sort of intimations of that idea of sort of, you know, trying to break out and. And the importance of a sort of a sort of broader appeal to our work. We don't want to sort of remain in this um, in this ghetto, so to speak. Um, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say that we need to not become um, dissident. I mean, I think by the very nature of what a lot of people are going to be writing, it is it's dissident in its in its style and and, and in its approach. But I mean, the, the purpose of um, dissident literature isn't again just to be. Um, shared amongst a sort of small circle. The point of it is to sort of um, um, break out wherever it can, right? You know, if you can find um, a sympathetic ear amongst um, um, people with um, influence or, you know, people with money, like patrons, or even just, yeah, in the public, I mean, this is a very, a very positive thing for any sort of um, dissident movement. I mean, that's the purpose at the end of the day. And I think that's why um, um, Curtis Yarvin's talk um at the last event and also um his infamous um elves and hobbits essay um that's why i really like that and i think um you know he makes mistakes i mean i disagree with the man on things um but i think his his approach there in terms of um you know trying to understand tr trying to make um traditional approaches or or 
um, not even so much just traditional approaches, but artistically um, significant approaches, right? Something that's not just stale, trying to um, break into the sort of very controlled um, sort of corporate or academic world or what's popular today, right? Um, and you need to sort of, you know, look at um, wherever you can. It might not even be in your medium, um, but look outside of your medium um, to, I would say, ones that are perhaps a little bit more vital, like film. Um, I brought up uh, Sorrentino, who is someone who I harp on about um, again and again, because I think he's very effective at sort of um, um, getting younger people um, and more liberal people thinking about things like um, like religion and tradition. And, you know, he, he does it by, um, um, you know, presenting a sort of an aesthetic or a vision that is undeniable in its in its force, right? It's good art, as we've said again. And so I do think that that is... Um, that, 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 that's what we have to do. I mean, otherwise you're just gonna yeah, remain in this ghetto and you know, you can definitely, I mean, it's unlikely at the best of times that you can forget any chances of sort of making a living off of it. Yeah, right? and I, I would, sorry, yeah. And I, I would also add that I don't think that being right-wing or reactionary is automatically a bar to you getting into being published as a poet, just as I don't think being left-wing automatically gets you a pass into being published because I think there's so much competition and there's so little interest and so little money in poetry that I think that actually the politics of the poets is not such a big factor. It is more of a factor in things like journalism or certain areas where there's more money. I think that um, I think that's a, an influence. Mm. 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 Yes, um, and we have mentioned Wyndham Lewis um, at the top of this uh, topic, and and um, he sort of took matters into his own hands, you know, forming uh, was it Blast? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and so in our space, we have you know we, we have um, outlets like 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 Bournebrook, like um, I am seventy six, various uh, YouTube channels and 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 Substacks and whatever, but but there doesn't seem to seem to be much that is specifically devoted to the arts. Um, now, uh, I, I can cut this part out, Hat, but I, I know you had sort of something in the oven on this front. Uh, yes, well, uh, so I've, I've, I've explained this to a few people uh, of late, but basically what happened was uh, everything was set to go with a magazine called Advance, which I was gonna, I was gonna bring out. And, um, and then my backer uh, disappeared into Russia. Um, he 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 married a he he went to Russia to get married, and then he came back and then he went back over there and then all of a sudden all his profiles were disappeared from the internet, and uh, I have no idea what happened to him. Um, I don't I don't even know if he's still alive. So uh, oh, that's yeah. put that project on hold. And I I am I I will be sending out an email soon to uh, to everybody that sent sent material and saying hold on. Basically, hmm. uh, the plan now is um, what I will do is in the new year. Um, I will launch it as a kind of uh, yearly review of uh, of things that have been sent and things that have happened and you know various events. I, I kind of want like a sort of dissident review, if you want, mm. of, of of the year that's happened. Um, so yes, there's, do do keep watching this space. Things will keep happening. If you've sent me work and I've said yes, it will still be out there. But just you know, things of you know, life has uh, has done what it normally does. Now that's fine. That can that, that, that can stay in because mm. you know, I'm they'll, they'll, I'll I'll still get people asking me even after I've, I've told them. You know, oh, whatever happened to you know, this yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, so so the 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 financial feasibility of advances is, is is one thing, but the the importance of something like like that is is 
absolutely there. I mean, yeah. again, we have Imperium and Bomber Press for actual literary releases, but nothing mm. for a sort of a, a space for discussion and comment. Well, critique. I mean, I mean, the 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 we we were fully aware of the the, the background. We 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 weren't putting it out to turn a profit. You know, he his his he was he said, he says you know I'm gonna I want to put money into this. I'm not doing it as an investment. You know, I don't want money back. I just want to make sure this gets out there. That was the that was the whole pitch. Um, and I mean, yes, I, I, th I think I think that really, as you say, money uh, is a kind of behind the scenes concern of something like that. You know, it's if you can get it out there, and if you can get people talking, and if you can if you can secure your contacts and your your networks networks in real life. You know, this is the most important thing. Remember, this is why I'm so keen on real life events. You know, having Alexander Adams's you know based uh, the artist cafe or whatever. You know, this kind of thing. Having these real life spaces because you have to have actual ground. You have to have people that you know in real life you can call on and contact because I think everybody is well aware of this now. Knowing somebody in real life who's who's into all this and, and, and you can talk about these things with has far more value than simply knowing somebody on the internet than simply knowing a username or anything. You know, even, even if you know who they are, um, it's still important to have the real life meetups, you know, the actual physical spaces. That's what's gonna that's what's gonna move this forward. And and the physical press as well. I know obviously we live in a very digitized age and we have a very sort of digitized community. Um, but if you don't, you know, if 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 you don't have the physical items out there, then you're kind of you're you're quite literally surrendering space to to the enemy. I mean. You know, um, I don't, I don't want to drag this out too long, but but this, I'm sure you've all heard of this, uh, this this art piece that's in the Cardiff National Museum, um, where it's just a load of sort of cardboard boxes thrown on the floor in a big pile. And I thought, well, part of the reason that this is so kind of offensive, if you want, is because it literally takes up space. It obscures yeah. your view of paintings that you actually want to see. And again, this is like physical space is important. If if we can get our paintings on the walls, our books in the shops our poems in in the journals and the, and the magazines then it's it's an advance it's a move forward then we're we're quite we're, we're beginning to win if you see what i mean you know you've it's never give up on, on on the physical space in this kind of thing yeah no i i, I second that i mean I, and you know if again if we go back to the the modernists right who i think in a lot of ways the early modernists have to kind of um be our be our model and that's not to totally disparage the sort of um the more traditional writers who they were up against but in the sense of you know, they were a very small sort of burgeoning movement and all of the institutions were still against them, right? And, and and you see the same thing. I mean, you know, Pound got fired from his position. I think he was teaching in Illinois or something um, after I think he, a, a, young, a young woman ended up sleeping in his bedroom and he said, oh no, I was just giving her the room for the night or something. But in, in 1912, Illinois, that, I don't think that flew. Um, and so he moved to London with, I think, one dollar. You know, which was obviously more than it is now, but it's not a lot of money. Um, and he did this. He did this because I mean, he had travelled around when he was a bit younger after graduating, and you know, he travelled around Europe, and he realised that that is where the scenes were, right? Um, in in London, you had the literary scene, and then you know, in Paris, I mean, you know, the left bank of the Seine, where you know, you have all of the famous, you know, Shakespeare's bookshop, right, and all of these um, famous cafes, and and yeah, that's where the scene is. And even then, there was a you know, I mean, it was obviously less high speed than today, but there was a, a very wide movement of sort of correspondence amongst these modernists. I mean, they were all constantly, I mean, Pound wrote an obscene number of letters. Um, you know, he was a prolific uh, letter writer, so much so that he uses all of these sort of, you know, bizarre 
um, abbreviations in his writing as well. But one thing that you will always see um, is whenever he is sent the work of someone with a bit of talent or someone with a bit of potential, which he could um, determine immediately. I mean, he was, a, he, was a, he was a fantastic critic, as he would say, he would write them a letter immediately saying, come to London, you know, come to Paris, you need to be here. You know, I, I, I don't, and, and, and again, you also in the letters, that's why I find it so fascinating, you see sort of, um, again, that idea of support, right? You know, he's like, I mean, when, when, he, when he discovered T.S. Eliot, for example, you know, when he wrote back to um, people like Monroe and Stein, and he said, you know, this boy has modernized himself. We need to get him over here. You know, we need to get him an apartment. We need to get him, a, we need, you know, he's working this, um, this grim dead end job. We need to find a way of, of freeing him up to write poetry. And there's this sort of intensive effort to yet yeah, make a space and make sure that people can survive in that space. And that's how you get um, great work and you get a sort of a cultural force that develops. Mm. It's, it's kind of a crutch of the social media age where there's almost this death of geographical subculture. You know, like um, once upon a time, if you wanted to get involved in punk, you'd have gone to the King's Road, you know, you'd have gone to a particular area and you would have found people who were like you. There, there isn't, there isn't this sort of, you know, uh, reactionary kibbutz, you know, anyway. Can I, can I, can I push on that? <laughs> reactionary <Can> I... kibbutz. <laughs> because um, I'm, I think, you, you know, um, uh, or at least I know, I, I know SD wouldn't, but you know, um, Radlib's speech at, at the event, Rad, uh, Radical Liberation, um, he, he gave a speech and, and one, one of the points in that that really, really hit me quite hard was, you know, again, this thing about about the idea of space. And he said, he said, we shouldn't all just be fleeing cities to try and live in the country. He said, he said, why are you just giving the space up without a fight? You know, why aren't you trying to build something? Oh, and it's just, terrible. Yeah. And just, I... just what just just what you mentioned then about Pound in London. I mean, the thing is, like, it's all still there, like all the all the kind of the publishing offices you know, major writers for newspapers, novelists, kind of big, kind of regime-friendly media people, all the kind of power, they're all still there, you know, in, in London, pretty much. They all have offices there. They all have second homes or flats there. They all, they all frequent areas. I've, well, I, I, used to, I lived in London for quite some time, and I used to see um, a lot of uh, media people and kind of, you know, that sort of just walking around. You know, I, I used to see... Um, uh, the guy who's that guy who's uh, the the editor of Private Eye, uh, Ian. Is it I used to see him like like almost every day. By the way, he is tiny. He's, he's you see him <laughs> on TV. He's about, he's about five foot high. Um, it, it's it's like why don't we just sort of go there and like force our way in? You know, go to go to wherever Will Self is doing a talk and just ask questions about you know, ask questions that suit our narrative and, and you know, fight, 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 fight the battle and challenge, you know, the sort of Guardian Journal or, or, or the editor of this or that paper or this novelist or whatever, you know, why don't we kind of begin to draw attention in a way that would be helpful and, and, and not just draw heat? Well, well, just sort of artistic groping. Yeah, why, why, <laughs> yes. why don't we sort of, you know, get, yeah. get out there and, 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 and raise a bit of hell for us? I mean, but, but I mean, yeah, yeah, Pound, Pound did some groping in his time, exactly. I can tell you that. He wrote some very scathing letters and, the, you know, ruthlessly the, sort of mocked, um, yeah, a lot of the sort of the, uh, the stalemate critics and what have you. The, 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 the modernists didn't just wake up as the status quo. They did have to fight their way in you know a lot of the time in a lot of places and I, I i don't see why it's not worth us at least trying a similar thing once we've once we've once we've got a bit of a got a bit of a kind of shared style and a canon and a sort of corpus uh you know amongst us yeah. i don't see why we couldn't couldn't just you know push 
push, push, push the boat out, so to speak. And well, the thing is, uh, um, one last point that I'd like to make, and and this is another point which I made at the event, and you know, I had people sort of turning eyebrows at me, like I, I perhaps it sounded a bit radical, but I, I mean it in deadly seriousness. Is that um, again, if we look at the modernists breaking out, as Panama Hat said, it didn't just happen, and you know, there was a lot of sacrifice on behalf of a lot of these people, right? And this is a word which I keep coming back to. I mean, we're going to need to, if you want to, you know, replace or, or break through into the, the sort of the mainstream, that's a risky thing to do, especially yeah. if your ideas will, you know, rouse a lot of sort of opprobrium. But we're not I playing mean, on we, easy mode. Yeah, yeah, but we, you, you need to be prepared to do that. Um, I mean, well, you, we need to be prepared to take risks and make sacrifices. You know, it just has to be done. You have yeah. to advance. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Uh, Hat is, you know, are we are we ready for such like such, such a fight? You know, would we not need to be to a certain degree anti fragile before you know? I I I would I would like to see you know to use a kind of an, another another sort of maritime analogy. I would like to see the hatches battened down a bit, you know, before before we do. You know, I I think that first there does need to be. A little bit more uh sort of building on, on our own part there needs to be a little bit more um i suppose education and production you know we need we need to bring out a few books and works of our own so we've got something some, some something to stand on so that when we do catch a bit of attention from somebody somebody notable they can look at us and go okay well what are these guys putting out you know what 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 books can i read where, where are their poems where are their novels where are their paintings, you know, or I don't know, even films or whatever, you know, I, I, I think we, we do need to, to pr start to produce work before we go out and just, you know, fight the fight because, mm. because we're not just there to grope, you know, that, that, that is a tactic to get our work noticed. So first we need to do the work, you know, we need, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of young, young men on this, in, 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 in this sort of sphere who are pushing this way, but they're not there yet. You know, we, we're, 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 we're kind of, we're kind of growing our seeds out of the earth, if you will. You know, we, we're, we're, you know, we we need a few more um, very sort of high quality poets, writers, artists, filmmakers, whatever. We need to bring them. We also need to bring them together in a, in a way that would make us a bit stronger. You know, um, and they do also. They do also need to sort of nail their colours to the mast. They do need to come to the fore now before yeah. there are rewards on the table. They need to take. They need to. Yeah. It's what I said in the. It's what I said in my speech at the event. Is like. We need people to make commitments. We need people to take risks. We need to be brave to allow others to be brave. And that may mean we get sort of shot down or whatever, but we've got to do it first. And, you know, there's no point in coming coming up to us and saying afterwards, you know, after we have some influence, we have some money, we have some power, as it were, power in inverted commas. There's no point in coming up to us after that, after that has happened because we're going to want to know where you were when people were shooting at us yeah no definitely i think um a sense of loyalty and sticking by and also a sense of um exclusivity is something that's important and i mean you know hat and i had a fantastic conversation we talked about some of the poems that i have in and um in the collection that was released and you know i'll openly say i don't think i'm close to being you know a wordsworth yet but um i i think that's something that we need to we need to be aware of is um i think because of the sort of ghettoized nature of a lot of sort of dissident um, writing um, and, and sort of dissident events and spaces as well, um, the, the standards are, are, are too low, you know, because it's such a desperate situation. It's, oh, well, you know, if we can have an event, no matter where it is, um, that's, a, that's a good thing and, and it's celebrated. And I agree 
but you know um the quality um is something that we're going to need to start considering right it's not good enough to mm. just put stuff out it's not good enough to just get together you need to be thinking about what you're putting out what you're doing when you get together um and so you know i, I think a part of that especially for um, poets is you know i mean i have um this guy online who goes by the name of ironically i think he might be a, an american poet yeah I'm sure. a, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah yeah but but um, um you know I, he's now started sending me some of his work and you know i'm happy to look at it and critique it and make suggestions and i think this is something that we should all be doing together i mean um, um, you know, mutually sort of working uh, uh, and criticizing and, 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 and being honest with each other as well. I mean, you know, just because, and, and this is especially true if someone's going to try and write some sort of didactic work, because, I mean, you will have a lot of um, um, people who aren't very well versed in poetry or, um, um, and, you know, they might hear, you know, a, one rhyme which they quite like, or they might hear one sort of political statement in the work that they agree with. And so they'll they'll celebrate it. But I think we need to be sterner with ourselves and say, no, you can do better. You know, um, here's what you're missing. Here's where you can improve. Um, yeah. And I think that's why um, um, having a, something like a review as well would be um, um, very helpful as well, because, I mean, you want those critiques coming from people who are really considering these things and you want um, um, some some authority attached to critique as well absolutely um, you, you know i think that's important um so okay so from there then we'll move along on to our last topic uh for this panel um and we will discuss uh nostalgia and the reality of modernity um for this i will i will start with um panama hat because I, I i believe I, I recall seeing a tweet of yours a while back essentially saying that um you you in effect must walk on the ground you, you can't levitate you must almost you must almost be present in you know in where you where you are like the time you live in um we had no choice but to live in the present and to attempt to elevate our own time and our own culture as opposed to just worshiping ashes um what to your mind is the best way of treating heritage with you know dignity and respect and acknowledging tradition while also acknowledging the reality that we do live in modernity? Um, well, when it comes to poetry in particular, um, this always leads to a bit of a problem, especially for kind of young poets who are trying to figure out what sort of poetry they want to write, where they go, well, you know, it, they, they go, well, can I just write like Keats did, for example, mm. or like Tennyson or, or anybody else? You know, and, and the, the, the trouble is, you know, because they, they look at what's being written now and they go, well, obviously I can't write like this. You know, I'm, I'm not going to write like Rupi Kaur or Ocean Vuong or whatever, you know, obviously not. So they, so they, so they kind of trap themselves with a kind of, um, with a kind of archaicism. Uh, and the, the trouble is that, so I, the, the, the thing about English poetry in particular, when, when we look at it through the ages, is that pretty much, you know, this is quite universal. There'd be some that would challenge this, but I think it's true. Is that poets throughout the ages wrote very much in the vernacular of their time. You know, they 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 they, they generally were writing something reflective of how the people around them spoke and what sort of other things that, that were being written. Um, you know, um, a, a kind of if. When a when a kind of I don't know Elizabethan like pleb went to see a Shakespeare play, 
they, it, it wasn't like a challenge for them to understand what was being said. They would have got everything, you know, because it, it, was, it was being played to a mass audience as well as uh, a slightly more elite audience, you know, and, and this, this kind of thing. So I think that the, the, the only real answer I can give is, well, don't worry so much about, um, about that kind of um, language as it, as it relates to, to tradition as such. Just focus on being able to say something you know, say something that punches, say something groundbreaking, say, say, be able to be a poet in, a, in the purest sense before you get into, well, you know, should I sound like this or this or that, you know, the, the, the you know, it, it, as, as, as I've said, a, a, a well-written poetic phrase works no matter what sort of, sort of, you know, dialect it's written in, I think um that, that 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 would be i know that's not really the direct answer to the question but but that would be where, where the first thing i would say the, the second thing is to do with heritage is just well enjoy it you know appreciate it you know read 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 poetry you know i, I think I, this is a, a kind of problem with the arts in general is that far too many people want to be you know say a novelist or a painter or a poet but they don't read novels they don't they don't go to art galleries and they don't read poetry and it's sort of like well you know if if, if you're going to be a poet say then you have to immerse yourself in poetry. You have to be, you have to be collecting, collecting it. You have to be reading it. You have to get a sense for it. You have, you have to navigate your way through the canon, whether mm. it's, you know, sort of Philip Larkin or Andrew Mosin or stuff that was, that was written, you know, in, in recent times, or whether it's, you know, kind of Chaucerian ballads, you know, it, you, you've got to have a grasp of the canon because that's the only way to learn, regardless of form, regardless of period or anything else, what makes a good poem you know, what, what makes, what makes it tick, what makes it work, mm. um, you know, and defend it, you know, make sure you have hard copies of this sort of thing. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't have to spend hundreds of pounds on the latest sort of folio society press of tennis and, you know, go to a second, find your local secondhand shop, you know, with, 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 with some sort of miserable old man behind the counter and buy a, you know, an edition of, of, of Keats or, or, or Tennyson or, or John Clare or something, you know, buy it from him for two pound or, or probably even less nowadays. You know, you can get wonderful, just just make sure you have it because I think sooner or later with the way things are going in terms of the the canon and the the kind of academic power behind it, um, then it, you know, there's a very, there's a very real risk. It, it is a threat, I think. Um, it is it is under threat or, or at some kind of risk. So, uh so yes, I would I would definitely say you know as in terms of tradition, immerse yourself in the canon and make sure that you have your own little slice of it uh, yeah. with you. I mean, I, I think it's very good to sort of um, you. Need, I, I mean, I agree with everything you've said, and I do think that you need a very good, clear idea of of you know what poetry is, what we're trying to do, and I think you can go to um, you know the very earliest sort of comments on poetry and and you know the the sort of beginnings of the modern, and you can see similarities. I mean, you know, um, I read um the Ars Poetica recently. And, um, you know, something that Aristotle says is, you know, essentially good drama or good poetry. Um, it's, it's about description, right? This was the Greek idea that, again, it's about, it's about um, accurately seeing something, seeing something in the world, and then accurately, powerfully portraying it. Or at least that was my interpretation of um, what Aristotle read. I mean, you know, yeah, <laughs> my philosopher, right? Yeah. But, but um, Poetry hit, hits the truth at the heart of things. Yeah. yeah, and then, you know, you can look at Pound, right? I mean, he called his movement imagism, 
right? And and it's this idea of um, yes, perfect. And so it's this idea of having a. I believe he des he describes an image as you know a complex of sort of impressions and sensations, you know, that sort of hit you all at once and give you this um this this freeing or this transporting sensation. And so um, I think that you know it's very good for a, for any artist to have a very firm idea of what they are trying to do you know you need to have a sort of an artistic goal and so for me that's that that's my sort of goal I mean I think that's one of the reasons why um, I like poetry so much is often when I'm sort of thinking or musing you will just have that moment where you have a very powerful sort of um, you know it's a it's almost like you're a you're a director and you're thinking of the next scene for a film and you just have this um this this, this sort of, yeah this complex that comes into your head this sort of aesthetic complex and you want to try and get it out um, but I do think, again, another problem relative to this that you see in sort of dissident right circles is, I mean, you know, almost everyone in dissident right circles is coming in through politics, right? No one is coming in for the art right now. And so I think you get all sorts of um, strange um, um, notions and perspectives that I think are very valid um, politically, perhaps. But when it comes to the arts, um, not so much. And, and the prime example would be um, you know, many, many people in our circles are you know, deeply conservative, right? Um, you know, they believe all the problems in the world began with the Reformation. Um, and, and, you know, um, there's just this, this, this uh, constant progression and things are getting worse and worse and worse. And so you know, logically, if, if you think that applies to absolutely everything, then it will apply to the arts as well. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's been a steep decline since Chaucer, essentially. But of course, the problem with that is if we if we stick to these goals that Pound and Aristotle have set for us of accurate, powerful description, um, there are there are many things in the modern world that just can't be described through writing like Chaucer. Mm. Um, um, you know, I, I, I don't think it's possible and I don't think that people would read it. Mm. Um, and so, you you know, you need to. Um, and again, that's why I think it's so important to sort of break new ground, because Right now, I feel like, uh, you know, there are a lot of poets who are trying to write to people who are, you know, consumed with political theory and mm -hmm. journalism and things like this. Um, and so, 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 yeah, I think there's a difference between our goals um, in the arts and um, sort of more general um, right wing sort of political movements. And, 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 you know, it's not to say that they're wholly, you know, at variance, but they, they, there are differences there which need to be mm -hmm. discerned. Mm. I think I think, I think a, a a big part of our mission also is to make the the, the DR a sort of slightly more holistic thing. Um, mm. So that it isn't just political, isn't just social, it is cultural too. And um, just sorry before you come in, hats as if to prove all the points we've made tonight. Uh, this morning I went to a secondhand shop and I got a book of images poetry, and on on the cover they're reading Blast magazine. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic! The famous painting. painting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you should read some um some Hilda Doolittle. She's actually um, one <laughs> yes. of the uh, better uh, female poets out there. She, she's in here. Um, it's uh, Ezra Pound, Doolittle, uh, John Gold Fletcher, and Amy Lowell, and Richard Adlington, F. S. Flint, and D. H. Lawrence. Very good. Very good, Lawrence. Um, well, I I just wanted to provide. Obviously, I didn't kind of poetry stream without having read some poetry. I know we, we we've had a bit of a uh, of Rupi Kaur, but uh, I don't think that really counts as poetry, to be honest. So. Uh, uh, I, I just wanted to read this short poem, a very famous one by by Yeats, because Columba, you mentioned, um, you know, um, sort of the idea of, of as modern poets illustrating modern things through poetry. Um, and an example that came to mind is, is, is it's called An Irish Airman Foresees His Death. 
you know, it was written during the First World War. Uh, Yeats actually didn't publish it for a few years because, again, he was kind of reticent about, you know, writing about something as sort of vulgar and and and, and modern as an airman. You know, you, you know, this this very new, sort of at the time newfangled technical way of 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 of, of waging war. But the point is that he brings it to um, he brings it to something eternal. He simply talks about it's it, it, it's a kind of um, uh, an ode to the warrior, if if you want, in a certain way. Um, and it's quite short, so I'll, I'll read it now so people can hear it. I know that I shall meet my fate somewhere among the clouds above. Those that I fight, I do not hate. Those that I guard, I do not love. My country is Kiltartan Cross. My countrymen Kiltartan's poor. No likely end could bring them loss or leave them happier than before. Nor law nor duty bade me fight nor public men or cheering crowds, a lonely impulse of delight drove to this tumult in the clouds. I balanced all, brought all to mind. The years to come seemed waste of breath, a waste of breath the years behind, in balance with this life, this death. And it's just, again, you know, the, the, the idea that he's, he's motivated to write something like that, this kind of very eternal uh, poem on the basis of seeing, you know, uh, pilots in their in their you know in their in their kind of gear, you know, flying but, but around the shores it, of Ireland. But I think it also, I mean, as you say, it, it it is in this sort of eternal language. But I think, you know, the, the very best poetry can sort of you know reach to the reach to the sky, but also you know remain on the earth where it is. I, from you know, I mean, I, I've read that poem before, and something that I get from it is. Um, it seems to sort of intimate this idea of um, um, it, you know, in the eternal talking about this idea of you know, the warrior, the warrior just wants a good scrap, right? And I do think there's a, there's an element of that, but I also think it's trying to trace this element of this sort of um, this very nihilistic approach um, that a lot of people had to the First World War of sort of war as this um, revitalizing experience, you know, the sort of the Ernst Jungers of the world who are much lauded, but I mean, you know, what does that um, what does that desire um, bespeak? And so I think um, Yeats is doing something very brilliant there, where he's sort of um, um, touching on those two things at the same time. And I think that's actually very instructive for a lot of um, um, sort of burgeoning artists in our circles. Um, that's exactly the kind of thing that you yes. you want to be doing. Yeah, I would say something very, very brief. Um, it's just the advice that I give to young artists whenever they're <laughs> foolish enough to ask me anything. Um, I, I say to them, uh, don't think about technique, don't think about style, think about what you want to say, and say it as strongly and as clearly as possible, and the form will follow. Mm. Mm. No, no, I think that's very true, especially if you are trying to learn um, traditional forms and play with them, right? Because, I mean, something that you'll learn is that, um, I mean, you know, you, 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 for example, you can't write an epic form about a bad date. You know, I mean, that's a bad example, but you, you know what I mean, right? Um, forms are... Um, there for a reason um, you know if you, if you want to write something really sad you maybe write like an ode or an elegy or you know um, um, if you want to write something funny maybe a biting epigram it's sort of it's very good to be aware of these things and it's not so much again that you're gonna just totally copy these these forms but um, even today I think that rule still applies that you know depending on what you're trying to write um, a different form will you're going to need to use different tools, right? And you're going to, need to use them in a different way. Yeah. So I would 100% agree. Perhaps to build on that, I mean, um, in the first segment, I sort of questioned the sort of uh, over 
intellectualizing or sort of poetic terms and I've sort of been thinking about it throughout the discussion as well perhaps and Adam's just kind of dropped me there perhaps you know these things are just naturally occurring in good artists it's just these terms are just our own sort of observations of what comes naturally to good art um I I, I would still disagree I mean I think to some extent you do have you do have people who um um, these things almost seem to come naturally to them. But again, I think um, a, a lot of people who did have just have immense natural talent, like Keats is, of course, the one who comes to mind. I mean, Keats was an astounding genius, but, um, you know, the standards of his education were still far higher than anyone today, right? I mean, he, he still had a grounding um, that he was working with. I mean, he was brilliant, but that grounding was, uh, was, was still there. And I do think that people are going to need to um, develop that to to at least some extent um and again also if we want um um you know a critical movement if we want to be able to help each other um um improve our work then i think um having that vocabulary of terms um can, can never hurt i mean um i mean you know it, it goes it goes way back i mean um you know someone like byron as well he was incredibly prolific and he liked to he liked to throw out critiques but again he always um you know it's it's a much more efficient way to, to critique someone and, and and if you have that vocabulary you can um describe things that if you didn't have it um you know would take you a very long time and it would be a lot of sort of travail to try and get um um you know the person you're critiquing or or a reader to to understand where you're coming from and so I do think that um um, um it's necessary I mean I don't think that you need to have this you know exhaustive encyclopedic knowledge I don't think um that's particularly common but um, the, you know the basics. I mean, you should know what iambic pentameter is, for example. Um, and, and 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 you know a lot of these things as well. Um, you know they sound quite complicated, right? And, and don't get me wrong, some of some of it is fiendishly difficult. But a lot of this stuff, um, you know, your iambic pentameters, you know, your 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 stressed, unstressed, um, and and your 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 simple rhyming schemes. Um, these are things that anyone can pick up, and these are things that were quite widely known in in society um, in the past. And so I, I do think it's something that um, um, can be sort of brought back. And I don't know, I mean, perhaps we need um, we need some sort of more discussions on um, to, to, you know, talking to people on how, how to read poetry and having poetry readings as well. I mean, I think readings are and performances will be a very important thing going forward for that reason, because um, especially if you're in a situation where people um, don't have these sort of rules in their head. They they don't know how to approach poetry. Um, if they just read it on their own, if they if all they have is the text, they might be unsure about um, how it's meant to be read, where the emphasis is meant to be. Um, and so, if they hear the, the the creator of the work actually reading it in the way that it's intended to be read, um, I think that can be very instructive as well. Yes, and um, I think um, for now, that is just about all we have time for. Um, I will open the floor for um, any uh, closing remarks. Um, uh, Adam, is there anything to, to sort of sign off with? Uh, yeah, just um, I think, yeah, the next stage is I think that we need to do more events that are specifically focused on poetry. So, for example, readings, book signings, more panels. Um, yeah, uh, even maybe getting like a, a, a book fair together, not not specifically on poetry, but having a section dedicated to poetry, maybe doing some panels. Um, 
yep, I think that's the next stage. And I would uh, I would recommend that people um, try and get hold of a copy of Sunken Island, the anthology that we've all contributed to uh, before it sells out, because I believe it's probably going to sell out in October. So I would uh, recommend people try and get hold of that copy, get a hold of a copy, because they're probably going to be collector's uh, copies. And also, um, if you can, a, a copy of uh, Towards a Base Barbican, uh, outlined for a dissident art centre. Oh, there, there is only one. There is only one slick. copy left. Very slick. Sorry. And it's and it's on a train going back and forth. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I have one copy, and I and the others have been lost. That's it. The, 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 there was a handful of others that that are all gone now, so there is only one left for sale. Do you well, think? Do you think there'll be some uh, like Southern Rail sort of like minion who picks all these books up and just becomes <laughs> extremely based? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah, That's the intention. He's 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 our man now. You know, he's going to come forward. He is our Machiavellian from my yeah. from my Nomo speech. Um, Hack Lumber. Any uh, sign offs you want to make? um all i have to say is watch this space um i've i've been uh i've been in talks with a publisher which i shall not name uh about a poetry book and they have specified that they want it to be quite a quite a a, a chunk of a poetry book so uh, mm. got a got a lot of uh yeah include got a quite quite a lot of work to do there um of course to try obviously i i won't include anything that i don't think meet, meets the standard even if that cuts the length down but uh but yes, um, so keep an eye on that. Um, that's be towards the end of this year. Um, this this has been a, I, I, it's it's a bit annoying because I don't really have anything uh, tangible I can just sort of give people. Um, I can't say you know buy this, buy this, buy this. But uh, essentially, this this year has been extremely productive in terms of uh, of uh, books written and mm. things ready. But they'll all be coming out like sort of first quarter of next year. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's a bit yeah. annoying really. So um I, I will probably bring out um a few smaller things in time for Christmas like I did last year with the with the with the uh, po small poetry book. But uh, but yes, so just basically watch this space, uh, subscribe to my channel which is just uh, Panama Hat on YouTube and uh and that's all I really have right now. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Uh Columba? Um I I I don't have anything so material planned yet, but um I mean I think that's something I've realized, you know um when you first sort of get into this scene you, you you know you're full of that sort of sprightly enthusiasm i want to do this i want to publish that um but i think you know it's it's good to be honest with yourself and i don't think i'm sort of at that stage yet i think i've written a couple of things which are passable um but i want i want to get to the point where i would have say you know my my reposts right um you know my first 25 like like pound you know which are actually really decent um and so right now, I mean, you know, the thing that I've been working on, um, I just finished Joseph and His Brothers by Thomas Mann, which is this sort of series of novels about um, you know, biblical Joseph. And so I've been writing a poem about um, Joseph and Potiphar's wife, because um, I thought it'd be interesting to try and go for, you know, one of the most trad subjects possible, but try and um, do some do something interesting with it. Um, um, but yeah, you know, just um, um, working away, trying to sort of improve my technique and sort of increase my, my store of sort of my, my toolkit, as it were, um, and hopefully a couple of years down the line, I'll be able to um, have something that I'll really be proud of. But um, yeah. Sure. Best of luck there. Um, and yes, uh, to, to sort of do my own bit of shilling, um, you can find me over on Substack at uh, Songs of a Fogged Mind. It's it's the pinned tweet on my Twitter account, which is SD Wicket. Um, I uh, should hopefully be having a uh, solo volume released through Board Book Press at some point next year. Um, and yeah, I mean, um, that's all um, from us. And it, it is a goodbye for now from myself and from the panel. Uh, thank you for joining us. And we hope to see you again soon. Cheers.